Welcome to the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast, a show to help you create more revenue, profit, and freedom in your life. Now your host, John Victoria. Hello and welcome everyone to the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. My name is John Victoria, your host, and today we have a fun episode that I don't think we've ever talked about this topic on the podcast before. And that is on the science of high performance and our capacity to handle stress. Because depending, uh, I mean, no matter where you're at in business, we're facing all types of stresses. When we're starting out the business, there's the stress of many times taking the leap to do something you haven't done before. And the frustration of family and friends, like, why are you doing this? This is like, what's going on? And the stress of learning legal, business, finance, marketing. There's so much stress when you're first kicking off the business. And then there's scaling the business, right? You know, as, as you scale the business, there's more people, there's different problems, there's different challenges. And what's limiting us, it's not just the knowledge. Uh, it's, it's something that's, that's deeper than that. And that's what myself and our guests will be speaking about today. And that is really our, our bodies can limit our ability to actually uh, grow to the next level because it can no longer handle that stress. And so for our guest for today, um, his name is Dr. Amir Rashidian. And just to give you some background on him, he holds a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry and Human Biology, as well as a doctorate in chiropractic. He's the founder of Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Center uh, here in Ma uh, Maryland. It was established in 2006, and they serve over 18,000 patient visits annually. And their focus really is high-tech diagnostics to detect and correct disturbances in the nervous system. So very uniquely qualified to, to speak to this. And their doctors focus on promoting drugless health solutions, and they work with patients to eliminate the causes of disease and not just merely you know, cover up the symptom, as many things uh, might do. But uh, also very successful in business. He's been a consultant to 18 chiropractic practices, 16 of which are startups that achieved profitability within three months. And so amazing business acumen and is a very well-spoken, active speaker at corporate events, corporations, churches, regularly interviewed. And uh, now he'll be on the, the podcast uh, for us today. And so also won business leader of the year and is also a philanthropist of the year. So very well accomplished. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Rashidian. Hey, thank you so much, John. Thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Thanks for all the, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I liked what I heard. So that's nice. Hopefully <laughs> I can live up to that and hopefully I can provide some value for your audience today. Yes, sir. And, um, and so I think a place that we could get started, uh, I remember when we first spoke about your, basically your origin story of why you even decided to become a doctor. And, and before you moved to the U.S., there was a lot of struggles, a lot of stress that you were facing. And so I was wondering if you could speak to that initial story of how you first got into what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was born in Iran and uh, this is uh, the early 70s. So Iran was a different country back then. Uh, you know, people like Elizabeth Taylor and Frank Sinatra used to come to Iran for vacations. You know, now a lot of celebrities go to Dubai. It was Iran was it. Tehran was called, called the Paris of the Middle East. Lots of prosperity and abundance and, and just good times. But, uh, you know, I was five years old. There was a revolution uh, fighting in the streets, um, you, you know, a bloody mess. And then uh, a year later, 
uh, two years later, the war started and there's bombing and, and, and so on. And, um, when I was nine, um, I was traveling, uh, with my father through these remote villages in Iran. And this one village we went to, a woman had gone into labor and she was in tremendous amount of pain. Now, this village didn't have any power lines or plumbing. It didn't have a hospital or doctors, but there was a midwife. So this midwife walked over and, uh, knelt down and examined this woman stood up and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. There's no heartbeat. The um, baby's not alive and she's not going to make it. And she actually left. And one by one, all the people who had gathered around started to leave and they left her alone to say goodbye to her husband. And at the age of nine, I was looking into the eyes of this young woman who was just told she's not going to live another few hours. And I started to have this panic attack where, you know, your heart's pounding, and your chest feels really tight and uh, I'm having trouble catching my breath and tears are starting to come down my face. Well, my dad saw me, he picked me up, he helped me, he carried me out of there, he calmed me down. The two of us climbed down the mountain. We got in our car to drive home. And on the drive home, I said, dad, I don't wanna feel like that ever again. He said, like what? I said, helpless, like there's nothing I could do. And he said, what are you gonna do about it? Probably the best question anyone's ever asked. What are you gonna do about it? And I said, well, I guess I'll go be a surgeon. I'll be the best surgeon in the whole world. I'll carry my medical bag with me everywhere I go and I'll just uh, save lives. That shouldn't happen in front of me ever again. And 10 years later, I was a student at George Washington University. I, I had the grades and I was, you know, on the path to going to medical school. And I went home for Christmas break and uh, we were living in Gaithersburg, Maryland at the time. And I walked into the house and dad had this big thick white neck brace on. And you could tell he was on there to influence some severe painkillers and he couldn't lift his arms to give me a hug to say hello. He, he was limp and numb from the shoulders down. And so we ended up going doctor to doctor, trying to figure out what's wrong with dad. And every doctor we went to said, this is beyond my scope. You have to go to this other doctor. Finally, we ended up in a neurosurgeon's office. The neurosurgeon took one look at dad and said, you needed surgery yesterday. What are you waiting for? And dad said, I'm terrified of surgery. What are you going to do? He said, well, we're going to cut you open from the base of the skull to the bottom of the neck. We're going to break and remove the bones in the back of your spine to take pressure off the spinal cord. And then we're going to put rods and screws in your neck, fuse your whole neck. You'll never turn your head again, and you may not regain function of your hands, but we're hoping you have less pain. And because this is a pretty invasive surgery, there's a good chance you're not going to survive. You might die. And so we decided to get a second and a third opinion. All three doctors said the same thing. We got in a taxi to go home. In the back of the taxi, I was sitting there carrying all of dad's medical records, x-rays, MRIs, CTs. And I looked over at dad sitting next to me with his, you know, neck brace and he was cringing. And I could tell he was in a lot of pain because every bump that taxi hit was sending this lightning bolt of pain through his entire body. Looking in his eyes, I could tell he didn't want to live anymore. And I started to get transformed emotionally, transported back to that village where I saw that woman slowly die in her husband's arms. And uh, I'm having the same emotions, panic, feeling stressed, hearts pounding, starting to get a little teary eyed. And this taxi driver looked at dad and I in his rear view mirror. And he said, uh, sir, I noticed you're in a lot of pain and I know you asked me to take you home, but there's a chiropractor right down the street. Would you rather me take you there? And I was, you know, a 19 year old know-it-all. I thought the only way to get better is drugs and surgery. And, and uh, so I said, no. But dad was the wiser of the two and uh, he was afraid of the surgery. So he said, yeah, let's go try it out. So we show up, long story short, this chiropractor looked at all those MRIs and CTs and x-rays that I was carrying. 
look, the dad said, I can help you, but you got to do everything I tell you. And uh, he said, give me six months. You got to be here practically every day for those six months. If you do what I tell you, I think you'll get better. And if six months from now, you're not better, you'll have to go have your surgery. What do you want to do? Dad said, I'll do whatever it takes. And he did. Six months later, he walked in that office. He was able to use his hands again. He was able to lift his arms over his head. He had no pain. He could turn his head without any help. And, um, you know, dad lived to be 88. So that was at 70. He was 70. He lived another 18 years. And at 88, he was younger than when he was 70 because he would get up, work out, go visit his friends. Most of them were in nursing homes, but not dad. He was living a good life, enjoying his life. He lived long enough to meet my first son when he was born. And uh, he lived long enough to be my best man at my, at my wedding when I got married. And um, I tell the story because there's, there's a couple of really important things here. Number one, when dad was sick, he wasn't the only one who suffered. Anyone who cared about him suffers as well. And so now that, that sickness it, it, or health, it's, it's not just physical health, it's emotional health, it's chemical health, it's financial health. It's, it's all important. And, and what you have to understand, realize is if you're suffering, everybody around you suffers too. And so the easy thing to do is get your, let yourself, this point number two is let yourself fall apart. The hard thing to do is do what it takes to be successful and healthy. If you do that, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for all the people you care about and all the people who care about you. And, and what I, what I see you like planted deep as a seed, it's, you know, from young to today, it's this, it's a sense of like personal responsibility, right? It's like, what, what are you going to do about it? And it's taking responsibility. And part of that mindset is also bestowed onto your patients, right? It's like, you're doing this because of all these things, like it's not just your physical, but it's the people around you, their physical, their mental, their emotional health. Um, and that's amazing because uh, I, I don't think that we all realize the impact that some of these situations uh, can have on us. And so uh, one thing I wanted to, to pivot to is that um, you've parlayed this to business now, right? You know, that you talk about the ability to manage stress and um, I remember us talking about it's so it's it's difficult to scale a company if you don't actually have the ability to handle that stress in growing the company. Could you talk a bit about how how did those connect into, you know, really growing a company and, and management of stress? Well, number one, you have to understand that anything, any endeavor you want to partake in comes with stress. If you think starting a business is not stressful, you're in for a surprise. If you think growing your business, if you think managing staff and employees uh, is stress-free, it's the same thing when you're, in, you know, growing your family or growing your income or anything else. It, everything comes with stress. I, I know some uh, extremely wealthy people who have a high net worth and they're extremely stressed out more more so than than other people I know. So everything that you want comes with stress. You want to grow in your uh, higher education, same thing. So that's that's what you have to understand first. Second thing is. Um, the number one reason people fail at getting where they want to go, achieving the life that they want is because they're not equipped to handle the stress that comes with it. See, the journey is difficult in the middle. Think about this. Everybody's excited when you start it. When you're about to start something, oh, you're happy. You're excited. You're, you're, you're envisioning this thing. And that excitement brings you energy. So you're okay working through the night. You're okay putting in extra hours. And then the vision of the end, right? The end is easy too, because when, when you make it, like, oh, look at this. I'm where I want it to be. I made it. That's easy also. 
But at the middle, the middle is hard because no one told you you're going to have setbacks. No one told you you have obstacles. No one told you that other people may get in your way. Natural disasters may get in your way. Um, customers aren't always going to do what you tell them to do. Sometimes you have trouble communicating with them. You may lose your biggest client. Something might happen. It's not even their fault. Maybe you didn't do something wrong, but things happen. It's that middle part where you have to maintain your faith and keep pushing forward. If you're not equipped to handle that stress, you're not going to make it. That's when people quit. That's when people fall apart. Because I'll tell you something, this is a fact. And I'm going to bring it back to health first. How healthy you are is determined by how much stress you can safely handle. See, if you can handle, let's say, this much stress, the minute your stress level goes above that, you're now susceptible to illness and injury. And how successful you become is also determined by how much stress you can safely handle. And how much money you make is determined by how much stress you can safely handle. So if you want to be healthy and wealthy, you better be ready to handle stress. And you got to do it with a smile on your face. It's the only way. Otherwise, why are you doing it if you're suffering? As, as you're mentioning that, it reminds me of, uh, I forget who said it, but they talked about how if someone wins the lottery, you, you better like learn how to truly be a millionaire because otherwise, you know, most millionaires who went through the lottery, they, they end up squandering their wealth because I think there's a number of new stresses that ha you haven't built the calluses of like really building from the ground. It was just like yeah. a moment, you're a millionaire now. But then the, the immune system, the, the strength and the capability, the mindsets, the frameworks, they aren't there. And so, you know, it's there one moment, then it's gone. So could you, could you speak to how, do, how does one build the capacity? Because I, what I've noticed is that there are a lot of successful people that have gone through very difficult things early on, many adversities. And so I think that gives them almost an advantage to handle the stress of, let's say, entrepreneurship. But let's say that someone right now is like, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to handle like how how does one begin to build that that muscle to be able to handle stress? Good question. Um, well, I think you start with this. You have to start with the belief that it's possible. And that belief is it's not that. So so when when we were work, there, there was time in my business life where we were working extra hard. And I, I remember my dad said, why are you working so hard? I said, well, because I want to be successful. And I like being tired at the end of the day because my dinner tastes better and my bed feels more comfortable. If I'm exhausted at the end of the day, it's a good thing. You know, I fall asleep in front of TV. I enjoy that. And he said, but aren't you worried about your health? I said, well, yes and no, because a lot of people will say, what use is success if it comes at the expense of your health? I go, well, it's useless. Success is worthless if it costs you your health. But what about the other side of it? This is something nobody talks about. What use is good health if it comes at the expense of your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, and your future? At that point, health is worthless. You're healthy, but you have nothing to show for it. You're healthy, but you haven't accomplished anything in your life. You're healthy, but you haven't made a difference in other people's lives. It's worthless. Why are you healthy? What's the point? One without the other is worthless, and no one talks about that. My point is you have to start with the belief that you can have both. You can have health and wealth. You can have health and happiness and joy and peace and enjoy your life and work hard and go after what you want and get it too. 
it's, you know, they say, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, what use is a cake if it's sitting on the table and I can't touch it? Well, that's my cake. What, how does it taste? I have no idea. I'm not allowed to eat it. You got to be able to eat it. You get your cake and then you devour it and you enjoy it and you'll get another one. Um, now, that's not nutrition talk. Um, and that's not, <laughs> was not food advice. I'll tell you that in a minute. Uh, so we start with that. Secondly, I've observed and studied the ultra successful who are also healthy. The ultra successful, they have three things that are different about them that the rest of us don't have. Number one, they have a different definition of stress. See, we all think stress is, oh, um, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm so stressed out. That's not what stress is. We need a different definition of stress. That's what they have. The ultra successful, number two, have a different relationship with stress. You need to have a relationship with stress. Number three, they never ever focus on reducing stress because reducing stress makes you weak. Reducing stress turns your back on your goals, hopes, and dreams. Reducing stress is easy to do. It's very easy. You want to reduce stress, you quit your job, you leave your family. Now you have no stress. That doesn't sound like a good thing. So you have to have that different relationship and you have to stop focusing on reducing stress. The better thing to do, the solution, is you get stronger. Get strong so you can take the hits and still keep going forward. Get strong so you can take, you can handle the burden that you're carrying and not have it knock you down. Get strong so you can take on the challenges that you want in life and still succeed. Your focus should not be to reduce stress, but to get stronger. So that 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 was number that was the third one. So going back to the first one, definition of stress. You want to be successful, redefine stress. Stress is a force that causes change in your life. One word, force. Stress is a force. Now, that force can lead to good change or bad change. So you got people who start a business and then they go through a recession and, and half of them shut down their doors and walk away from their dreams. But the other half will innovate and change and step up and create a business that they, what do they say? That the most stable, powerful businesses are business, businesses that were started in a recession. That's a fact. Because you can survive that, you can survive other things. And now you're stable. Now you've got a continuous, stable revenue source, and you know how to manage that properly. So um, stress is a force, like gravity. Would you, you wouldn't say gravity is a bad thing. You would say gravity is a good thing. Gravity keeps your feet on the ground so you don't float away into space. But gravity also causes you to fall and hurt your arm or hurt your face. Um, you, it, it, it's, the, it's neutral. Fire, fire is a force. It can cook your food or burn your hand. It's neutral. Money. Some people say money is bad. Some people say money is good. Money is not good. Money is not bad. But it depends on how you use it, right? You can use yes. money to fund terrorist activity and kill thousands of people. Or you can use money to put your kids through college. I go on a vacation, a grand, luxurious vacation that you enjoy and you get to bless your family with it. It's money. Money is money. There's, there's nothing good or bad about it. Another one is anger. Anger is an emotion with an energy behind it that, that doesn't get met by other stuff. Motivation isn't, doesn't have as much energy as anger does. You think about this. People get angry. They commit crimes. They hurt people. But some people get angry and that's called righteous anger. And they say, hey, I'm done. I'm going to stop eating like this. I'm going to stop spending money like this. I'm going to stop doing these things. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to step up. 
I'm going to step into my greatness. I am angry at who I am and what I am right now, and I'm going to change it. That's righteous anger. That is powerful. That can move you. That can change things. So those are the three things. Change the definition. It's a force. Have a different relationship with stress. And don't focus on reducing stress. Think about first grade, right? First grade, you were spelling three-letter words, difficult words that you were, you know, having trouble spelling bat and cat and hat. Now, you know, college, uh, you don't even have spelling tests anymore because you're beyond that. When I started out, I remember hiring my first employee. I'm stressed out going, okay, now I have to make enough money to feed her and me. This is tough. Then we get up to 12 employees, 15 employees. You know what? One employee was a breeze. So if I ever go backwards, it's a breeze. Same thing going to the gym. How many of you go to the gym and work out? And every time you go back to the gym, you lift less weight than you did the day before. Are you going to get stronger? You have to challenge yourself. You have to challenge yourself. So you, you, you put a little extra weight on and you push to try to get And when that weight becomes easy, you add a little more weight. That's life. That's business. That's that relationship with stress. That's, that's amazing. Uh, it, as you're saying, that it reminds me of like a stimulus versus response, right? There's the stimulus of what we're perceiving as stress, but it's how do we respond to it, right? You know, it's, it's, it's the same feedback that may, maybe everyone gets, but to your point, it's like, we go through this recession, there's people who just flourish. <laughs> like they're, they're doing better off in the, in the bad environment than the people, then some people just close down their business. It's, it's like, we're all facing the same thing. It's, it's something in between these few inches between each of our ears that, that we need to work on with, with mindset you're saying. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And, and you have to train for that stress the same way a fighter trains for the next fight whether it's boxing or UFC and you're about to step into that octagon, you're not going to go in their cold. You're going to be training and you're going to train hard and you're going to train harder and harder the closer you get to the fight. So that when you step in there, you're ready for it. So you got to train. If, if stress is something that's physiologic in the body and there's a physiologic response of the body and under long-term stress, your body can start to break down early whether you train for it, just like you train in the gym. And I can give you things that you need to do. Uh, the very simple of it is this. Do you want to get into that right now? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So stress comes at you in three dimensions. Everything is three-dimensional. So those three dimensions, and I'm going to leave the spiritual aspect out of it, okay? We're just talking body. The human body has a psychological component, psychological stress. It has a chemical component. We call that biochemical stress. And has a physical component, we call that physical stress. Those are three dimensions. Those are three dimensions of life as well. So if you want to be healthy, you want to stop moving because we all live on this continuum. Right here, this is illness. Over here, this is wellness. And you're never standing still. Believe it or not, every thought, every decision, every action moves you either toward illness or toward wellness. Wow. So which direction are you moving? So you get to do a self-assessment say, are my habits moving me away from wellness or toward wellness? If you're moving away from wellness, this is your wake-up call. So then you go, okay, there's three dimensions to health. By the way, the definition of wellness, nobody knows this either. Just like no one knows what the definition of stress is. Everyone goes, oh, wellness. Okay, I like wellness. I want wellness. What is it? I have no idea. Define it for me. I don't know. Here's what wellness is. Wellness is the degree to which the amount of health and vitality you experience in those three dimensions. How much health and vitality are you experiencing? in those three dimensions. 
by that definition, wellness is a direction, not a destination. So you got to just keep, keep moving toward wellness. You're never going to be too healthy. Trust me. Just like you're never going to be too wealthy. Just like you're never going to be too successful. Just like you'll never be too happy. Yeah. You're never going to be happy. What? <laughs> too happy. I need some sadness in my life. You're not going to say it. So wellness is the same. It's a direction. You just got to move towards it, right? So to move towards that, you okay, I don't, then I don't need to turn my left upside down. I just need to take one step in the right direction. So there's three dimensions, right? Imagine they're coins. Each dimension is a coin. Every coin has two sides to it. So we go to the physical dimension, physical stress. One side of the coin is exercise. Why don't you do three to five minutes of exercise every morning when you wake up? Pick the exercise. Um, Tabata is a great four, four minute, there, Tabata for um, beginners, look it up on YouTube. It's like a four minute workout and uh, it'll, it'll burn fat and build muscle. There's Zach Bush, Dr. Zach Bush uh, created a four minute workout as well. Uh, look it up. These, these are all public on YouTube. Do a short workout. If you can't work, ideally you work out 30 minutes to an hour every single day. That's what you should. That's what I do. Um, and, and, uh, but if you don't have time, you want to start easy, whatever, just do it. But I said, there's two sides to the coin. So the other side of the coin is rest. So you can't exercise without proper rest. And if you rest too much and not exercise, that's bad too. So you got to balance it. So there's two sides to the coin. You balance it. So, so the next coin, the next dimension is biochemical. Biochemical is, uh, there's two sides to the coin. One is deficiencies, right? Nutritional deficiencies. Do you plan your meals in advance? No, I'm busy. I'm running a business. Okay, well, you got to take supplements, right? Make sure you're taking proper supplements. I use a, a meal plan, um, meal uh, prep service. They literally deliver my food in little packages every Friday in a box. With dry ice is frozen. It's awesome. Stick in the fridge and I, I take a box and eat it. And, uh, and it's really easy, but not everybody can do that. So, um, but supplements, I, I, I'm a fan of supplements. So one side of the coin is, is nutritional deficiencies. You have to meet those deficiencies. If you're low on vitamin D, if you're low on zinc, if you're low on, I don't know, any B vitamins, you can't handle stress properly and you're not going to be successful because you're not going to be able to think right. You're not going to be able to be creative. You won't outlast your competition. Everybody has competition. If you think you don't have competition in your business, you are mistaken. You are lying to yourself. You have to be in better shape than them, right? Which is one of the reasons, side note, when I'm on the treadmill, I don't watch TV. If I'm running, I'm not watching TV. I'm not reading a magazine. I'm not listening to anything. I'm talking to myself. Mm, and I actually go through wow. my goals and I, and I link it to what I'm doing. I go, I'm running so I can outlast my competition. Wow. I'm running so I can be a better doctor. I'm running so I can be a better husband. I'm running so I can be a better father. That's why I'm running. And I'm visualizing it. This is what my body's going to look like. This is what, because why do I want my body to look different? Because I want my appearance to represent the disciplined man I am on the inside. And that's the only way I can show it. Otherwise, I'm just bragging, going, hey, I'm very disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't look it. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the coins, right? So the biochemical dimension, one side is feed the deficiencies. The other side is toxicity. You got to remove toxins. So if you're putting toxins in your body and putting good supplements and food into your body, you're not getting anywhere. You have to remove toxins. So there's a website, I think it's called ewg.org. Put all your products in there. Uh, your shampoo, your soap, your um, cosmetics, your uh, hairspray, whatever it might be. Uh, dryer sheets. You'll be shocked at what kind of toxic crap is in dryer sheets. 
that increase estrogen levels. Women who are susceptible to breast cancer do not use dryer sheets, not the synthetic uh, commercial dryer sheets. Um, Use natural organic ones and you can make your own. Uh, That's what we do at our house. But uh, yeah, don't microwave in plastics. Plastics increase estrogen, reduce testosterone in the in the body, and so on. But so you got to remove toxins. There's there's lead, mercury. There's um, uh, all kinds of pesticides, herbicides, uh, all over. You know. And uh, now I'm not a germaphobe. I think I think bugs and bac- bacteria and viruses are actually good for you. But that's a whole different talk for another day. Um, but but yeah yeah um, toxins. And, and the third third coin is psychological. You have to balance both sides, right? One side of it is you got to feed your brain with positive things. So we have to watch the news, right? You got to keep up to date with current events and all that stuff. You need to know who's running for president so you can vote for the person that, um, you know, matches your values. Yes. But you do have to watch the views. Well, I mean, so watch, watch the news, but you can choose when to watch it. Because if you watch bad stuff, Late in the day, your cortisol levels go up and it interferes with your sleep. Now, sleep is when you're going to rest and recover and rebuild and get ready for the next day of business. And you just watch some bad news right before you go to bed. You're not going to get deep REM sleep. How you sleep is more important than how long you sleep. So I only sleep six hours a night. That's all I have time for. I'd love to sleep seven, eight hours. I don't have the time. I literally, last night I slept six hours and seven minutes. (laughs) But I got an extra seven minutes. I was really happy. Every minute counts, man. Guess what? I don't lack energy at all. I have too much energy because I make sure I sleep properly. So if I sleep less, I still get what I need. It's how much deep REM sleep you get. Now, the other side of the coin is negativity, right? So beat the positive and eliminate the negative. So, so you know, watch things that fire you up, pump you up. I'm not against playing some uh, psych up music just to get fired up before I make that next phone call. Nothing wrong with that. You know, that's psychological energy. I don't mind if you close your eyes and visualize your most successful moment and embody that one more time. Everybody has this. There was a time where you scored the, you know, the, the winning goal. If, if, you, if you're a soccer player, I, you know, I like soccer. But, but you, you make the basket at the buzzer in elementary school, little league, you hit a home run. I don't care. But there was a moment, everybody has this. There were these moments where we were winners and we felt invincible. You embody that before you step into your day. So visualize, go back. Say, I'm still that. And everybody I talk to is going to hear me. And when I speak, they'll listen. And I'm so good, they can't ignore me. You, you feed that positivity. Don't be arrogant about it. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be overconfident. You know, I always say there's nothing more beautiful than a smile and there's nothing more attractive than true confidence. Mm-hmm. Overconfidence is an awful thing and it turns away all your customers and clients and you, you don't need that. Don't be overconfident. Be humble. Be genuine. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I heard this. Uh, if, if you care about your customer more than they care about themselves, you're always going to close the deal. If you genuinely care about your customer or the lead you got or whatever that is, you care about them, you want the best for them, even more than they do, you're going to get the business. And hopefully there'll be lifelong business um, uh, customers here. So those are the three, three coins, two sides to every coin. So six things. 
So improve each one by 1%. That's it. Very simple. 1% improvement in the physical on both sides of the coin, 1% in the chemical, both sides of the coin, 1% in the psycho-emotional, both sides of the coin. And, and just do, keep doing that every single day. You are going to become more resistant and more tolerant to stress. In fact, survival is adaptation. You need to adapt. That's what going to the gym does. You adapt to higher weights, you get bigger and stronger. So business is the same thing. You adapt to the challenges and you become strong. I love that. And there's, yeah, there's so many, so many thoughts that are floating by me. Um, I, I think one toxin, uh, so personal journey, I, I've been cutting out alcohol. It's been uh, 200 days uh, since I had my last drink. And Great. I was like one of the big toxins that was just messing with me. <laughs> That's been on my life. And also coffee. This, I, this is, I don't know, this is controversial to some people. <laughs> Stop drinking coffee. And I've been feeling a lot better. Um, it's, I don't know, there's, there's like small things. And it's, it's, it's those small 1% boosts. And um, I feel fundamentally different than I was a year ago just by eliminating some of these things. So Good for you. That's awesome. Nice, Jim. So, yeah. And uh, also, I, I know you, you mentioned you want to talk about your book as well. So a lot of these practices, like what, what can we find in your book? Um, some, of the, some of these practices or mindsets, is it? Well, the, the book is called Cracking the Stress Secret. Here's, here it is right here. How to Turn Pressure into Power. And uh, it's a 10-step process. We talk about how chiropractic care is powerful in reducing the fight-or-flight response in the body. See, when, when you get bad news, your body shifts into fight-or-flight. In fight-or-flight, there's more breakdown than repair and regeneration. And so to make more money, to be more successful, you have to constantly be bringing yourself out of fight-or-flight. So I teach breathing techniques. I talk about early morning sunlight Go outside early in the morning, have your, if, if you're still drinking coffee, have your morning coffee out in the sun. If you're not drinking coffee, whatever you drink um, is, is fine, but you know, do something enjoyable, but do it outside. Uh, music, uh, I talk about physiology behind music and how that can shift your body out of uh, stress. 80% of the time you should be in parasympathetic, which is rest and repair. 20% of the time you should be in fight or flight. Now, if you live in the East Coast like us, it's very hard to bring it even under 50%. 80% fight or flight. Most of DC. <laughs> Always yeah. something happened in DC. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so anyways, we, we, we can kind of um, deal with that. But yeah, visualization is powerful. Um, how you eat is more important than what you eat. Just like, remember I said how you sleep is more important than how long you sleep. How you eat is more important than what you eat. So, so many people are stuck up on what they're putting in their mouth, but they're doing it in the wrong state of mind. And if their body is in a state of fight or flight, I don't care what you put in your mouth, it's poison. You should not eat when you're in fight or flight. It's bad for you because that food sits in your stomach, ferments, and it rots, and it's poisoned by the time it gets in your bloodstream. It's not good for you. Now, you can eat something that's not all that great and all that healthy, but has some nutritional value and you do it in the right state of mind, you're going to process it properly. It's called the French paradox. If, if you've ever been to France, you'll notice uh, the only people who are obese in France are American tourists. That the, the French are immune to obesity and heart disease. There's no heart disease in France. 
No one worries about cholesterol and all that stuff in France. Yet they eat wine, cheese, and bread with every meal. So why is it they eat wine, cheese, and bread all day, every day, and there's no obesity? I mean, if you ate wine, cheese, and bread every day here in America, I mean, I don't know. I, I probably would balloon up and be obese and sick and everything. But the reason it is is because they value how they eat. And they sit down to eat. They, they socialize. They eat very slow. And they enjoy their time. In fact, in France, if you tell the waiter to bring your check early, they'll spit in your food. Because they get offended. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to have a four-course meal and it's supposed to take you three hours. Wow. So I, I, I actually had a coach mention this to me in the past. Um, I, I never did it, but one thing he would do is he would meditate briefly before a meal. There's also prayer, right? I think prayer almost has a similar effect where, you know, you might be in a stressful situation, but let's say you meditate for a few minutes, you I don't know, calm down your stress response or you pray, I don't know, just transitions you to a different frame of mind. And do, do you think that in a way would help to, I guess, make the most out of the nutrition that's entering your body? hundred percent. So, so, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we're pretty busy. In fact, our numbers are higher than even what you mentioned. Now we have two locations, we have 20,000 patients and uh, there are days where uh, I may only have 15 minutes to sit down and eat, but I won't eat really fast. I still put my food in front, of my, in front of me, put my work aside, and I'll say a prayer of gratitude before I start eating. Not only that, if I'm really stressed, I may play some Baroque classical music because that's a good way of you know bringing your body out of fight or flight. And then I eat slow as if I have all day to eat. And I savor every bite and I chew my food and I enjoy it. And then when the 15 minutes is up, I may have only eaten a third of the food I was supposed to eat. It doesn't matter. I pack it up. I put it away because I know even though I ate less, that food now becomes nourishment to my body versus if I shoved it all in really, really fast. Because the opposite of it is that you're in rush hour traffic, you're late for your next appointment, you're on the phone with a business associate, and you're eating a sandwich. I don't care how healthy that sandwich is. It's not going to work. Wow. That's, that's like one of the first times I've ever heard that. And it, it makes so much sense, right? You know, if your body... If you're fight or flight, I feel like your your blood's in a different place, and you're trying to you're trying to run away. You're, uh, but this yeah. is like you 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 have to calm down. Otherwise, you're not absorbing anything from the things that you're putting in your body. No matter how good the quality is, it's just like you said, rotting in your stomach. Two two systems slow down or shut down when you're in a state of fight or flight. One is your immune system. The other is your digestive system. So, immune system. Those are people who catch a cold even in the summer when it's not cold. Those are people who have chronic sinus infections. They're like, I always have this sinus thing. And those are people who have chronic constipation. They just, they just, they're always constipated. They have to take, you know, stool softeners all the time. And, and incidentally, they're also the ones who have cold hands, cold feet, dry eyes, dry mouth, dry skin, because that's all part of that fight or flight. They have high blood pressure, higher heart rate, and high cholesterol. Cholesterol is the precursor to the cortisol uh, in your blood. It's also the precursor to vitamin D. Cholesterol is the precursor to testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, growth hormone. All these come from cholesterol. So your body produces more cholesterol when you stay in fight or flight long-term. So uh, all of those things are symptoms if you're staying. And those are people who, who say, I'm too tired to fall asleep. They lie down, they close their eyes, and the same thought circulates in their brain over and over and they can't shut it down. It's because their body thinks they're in fight or flight. They think they need to be running 
or fighting. And so it does not let them sleep. Mm. And how does someone thaw from that? Like it's, it's like almost, you know, if someone, if someone is consistently in a fight or flight state, it's, uh, it's not enjoyable for one, <laughs> but number two, it's like, it almost becomes habitual, right? Cause it's almost like you're in a fight or flight. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's, uh, how does one navigate out of that? Cause, uh, it's, well, it's yeah, like you know, habit, uh, a couple of things I'd already mentioned. Music is a, is a powerful one. Music, music is extremely powerful, but one, one window into the automatic side of things that happen in your body is breathing. You can control your breathing. And you can do a breathing exercise that shifts you out of fight or flight. So fight or flight is inhale always. So, so if someone sneaks up behind you, John, and pops a balloon behind your head and startles you, first thing you're going to do is take a deep breath in and then you're going to hold your breath. That's stress. So most people who are chronically in fight or flight, their breathing ratio is a one-to-one -one ratio. If it takes two seconds to breathe in, two seconds to exhale, and they don't breathe as much. So, so right there and then you realize you're in fight or flight, all you do is count to five when you breathe in, count to 10 when you exhale. Make sure exhale is twice as long because when you find out that it was just a buddy of yours who was playing a trick on you, popped the balloon behind your head, the next thing you do is breathe a sigh of relief. Everything's fine. So slow exhale, but it has to be a two to one ratio. Exhale has to be twice as long as inhale. Do this when you're trying to fall asleep too. You're having trouble falling asleep because your thoughts are, you know, not shutting down and your brain doesn't calm down. Start doing the breathing. Count to five. One, two, three, four, five. Start exhaling. One, two, three, ten. All the way up to ten. And do that again. Do ten breaths. Five in, ten out. Before you hit number ten, you'll be asleep. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So one to two ratio. So one inhale, two for the exhale. So that's just something whenever you're feeling stressed, that's something to control right there. And then the breath. Yep. Exhale. Yeah. And visualization is another one. You know, you go to your favorite vacation spot in your mind. Take takes 30 seconds, but you got to visualize it in vivid detail. See, because the human body doesn't know the difference between something that is actually experienced and something that is being imagined in vivid detail. So visualize yourself on vacation. If you like the beach, feel the breeze, hear the seagulls, feel the sand in your toes, hear the waves, just be excited, be happy, be glad you're there and really you didn't come back. Yeah, the, literally your body thinks you actually did it. Just like when you go back to the time in your life where you were um, confident, you're gonna feel more confident, you're gonna be more confident. It reminds me of, um, I read a book and this was my my top recommended recommended book of last year was uh, Dr. Maltz is uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. Yes. And it talks about this this automatic system and but visualization, you know, direct, it's, it was like, it, it really transformed my life. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of what you, like the visualization, it's, um, it's, it's re recalling past positive experiences and converting it to the future positive experiences. Well, the, the interesting thing is all your audience already knows how to do this and they're already doing it, but they're doing it the wrong way because they do it with worry. So if you worry about something, you're visualizing the worst case scenario coming to life and then you're experiencing it. You know, what's the saying? A, a, a fearful man dies a thousand deaths because you, you literally experience this incredibly horrendous, awful thing in your mind and your body acts like it's already happened. 
when it has that's the reverse it's like it's you're you're doing it but you're just doing it the wrong way that's so it's right. taking you in the opposite direction <laughs> awesome so i think we can go from here is um what are some action steps that people can take um so number one obviously you got to purchase your book and how, how do they buy it? is it on amazon is it through yes. a website it's on Amazon. Uh, it's everywhere. It's on Barnes and Noble, Amazon. It's uh, it should be in every bookstore. Um, and um, yeah, it's 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 easy to get and easy to read, and it's gotten good reviews. It was a number one bestseller uh, on release. It was a number one new release. We we hit number one in four different categories um, when it first came out. So um, yeah, I, th I think it'll benefit you, and I, I certainly would appreciate it. Um, you can certainly uh, learn some of the material. Uh, on it in videos that we have on our YouTube channel. It's called Real Chiropractic. Uh, you're welcome to check that out. We just started a podcast recently. I think we have five episodes that are um, up up already. Um, but what we do is we take all the latest health news. We read the article, summarize it for you. We tell you what it means to you and then how to make sure uh, things are okay. Like recently we had um, air quality was bad. We talked about articles and research on that and how Make sure you're healthy. You know, we talked about uh, the Neuralink, the, the chip implant that Elon Musk has invented that's going to be implanted in everybody's brain down the road and how you should feel about that. And anyways, medical breakthroughs and so on. So we talk about that on the podcast. Um, but action steps that, that you should do, I really, really believe, and, and please forgive me because it sounds like I'm just promoting my own profession, but I mean this with all my heart. Everybody needs to see a chiropractor on a regular basis and you can't ever stop. See, your brain is connected to the rest of your body through nerves. Your brain connects to every cell, every tissue, every organ in your body through these nerves. The human body is self-healing and self-regulating. If you need an enzyme, you produce it. If you need a hormone, you produce it. Everything, your body responds to your environment as long as there's no interference on those nerves. So if you have a spinal misalignment that you're not aware of, you're not going to feel pain. You're not going to feel discomfort. But all of a sudden, the brain's not communicating with a certain part of your body and it's not going to work the way it's supposed to. Adaptation is survival. How you adapt to stress is determined by how well your nervous system is working. The only way to tune and optimize your nervous system is to get the spine checked on a regular basis, just like you get your teeth checked twice a year to make sure there's nothing going on to find cavities before they become problems, you need to find misalignments in the spine before they start to degenerate, form into bone spurs, disc bulges and damage. Now you have permanent nerve interference and you need surgery. You gotta get this stuff checked on a regular basis. How often do you have to go to a chiropractor? I don't know, it depends on you and what's going on in your spine and how much stress you're under. But literally in our office, we measure your stress tolerance. We tell you exactly how much stress you can handle and then we work together to increase your stress tolerance so that the little things don't make you sick. So that just going out and putting mulch out in your garden doesn't throw out your back or, or shoveling snow doesn't hurt you or having a fight with your spouse doesn't make you sick in the stomach, give you a headache and heartburn. And uh, so we measure that. We use heart rate variability tests. We use electromyography, thermography. We do functional neurology assessments. We do an all around assessment of the entire nervous system. We tell you how it's functioning. And then we give you suggestions on how to improve that. And then we work together. That's, a, that's what true chiropractic is, is increasing the body's ability to tolerate and adapt to stress. And that's how you become stress-proof. By the way, that was the title of my first book called The Stress-Proof Life. 
And that came out in 2016. But you don't need to buy that one if you buy the new one because the new one has updated information. Although there is a few things in that old one that I didn't bring back up. But for the most part, the new book is all you need. That's awesome. Well, I will definitely buy a book and I think I'm going to stop by as well because uh, <laughs> it's because um, you're you're your office is in Frederick, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Arlington, but I'm planning to move to Hyattsville pretty soon. So, okay. um, yeah, I'll stop on by. <laughs> Anytime. You have to you have to let me know how to schedule an appointment because uh, sure. that's a really big thing. I have a I have a health and fitness coach, but I've I've really never gotten a lot of the chiropractic things, and so um, I and also the stress stuff. I've I've really never even considered that as something that I could measure and actively improve on on a right. on an ongoing basis. So there you go. All right. Awesome. Yeah. We, you, you know, our website is midatlanticclinic.com and you are welcome to schedule your new patient appointment right on there. It's very easy. And then we have an app that you can download and you can uh, schedule your own appointments uh, however you want. So most people like to do their scheduling in the middle of the night when our receptionists aren't there to answer the phone. So we give you an app so you can do it on your own. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone check out the website. And uh, I guess with that, I think we're almost closing on the hours. So I think we'll about wrap it. You know, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, doctor. Like this My is pleasure. absolutely amazing. Just um, everyone, you got to read the book because a lot of what we talked about, you can't truly experience unless you actually begin to take these practices into your life. And so the breathing, I think the one, two was huge. And also the meditation or the, the short prayer before eating. That's, that's, I think that's not really talked about very often. I rarely, I don't think I've ever seen that before, posted anywhere. So um, yeah, everyone definitely do that. Um, uh, build your stress capacity. And really with that, you'll be able to really live a, a better life. Uh, you said mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and everything in between. So thanks everyone. Take care. And uh, we will catch you on the next one. All right. Bye everyone. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. Follow us on StreamYard, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and check out our main website, www.hvacfinancialfreedom.com to find out how you can also achieve financial freedom.